the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my marriage. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was kind of like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. It's me, it's me, old Brandon, <laughs> alongside my co-host, Ed. How's it going? I'm not old. Maybe I am. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm, I'm stewing a little bit, just agitated, aggravated, dealing with our first uh, last-minute cancellation. But luckily for us, it's like the deities of music or metal or whatever you want to call it were waiting in the wings because someone flakes off or drops off or whatever happened and someone messaged you and we were able to keep this interview going just with a different person tonight I'm, I'm starting to think life is full of happy accidents i mean i mean i think i'm going to use that word a lot not on here but in general in my life but happy happy accidents is my uh existence <laughs> yeah i uh I guess that's a good thing to be positive, but I wanted to rant about because I haven't ranted yet, have I? No, it's my turn, I guess. So I hear this this thing about, well, you know, if like you're in a band, which most of us are, and if you don't leave on bad terms with the band and they got a couple gigs, like fucking do them. Don't leave them high and dry unless you absolutely despise the band and you want to get out that makes sense but like if you're still cool with the dudes just finish out your shows like for example like our buddy jason that was in our band he was kind enough to give us the courtesy to like fulfill the shows so we had you know we we weren't you know we didn't have to cancel and if anything came up and we still didn't have a replacement for him he said he would jump in like that's kind of rare but a few times I would hear, oh, we had to play the show without so-and-so. He dropped, he he just left. He said he wasn't going to play it, but he quit too. And I'm like, why would the fuck would you do that to your band? Like, again, if you're still on good terms, just do your duty and fill out your ob- obligation to your friends, your band, whatever. I don't know. I think it's kind of shitty to leave your band high and dry and just because you're like, I'm not doing that show. I'm quitting. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a shitty thing when people do that. We've it, had it happen. I've had, yeah. I've had people that uh, refuse to even want to play shows, and they'd want to drop off the show the day of the show. And if we didn't, do, if we didn't do it, um, they were just not going to go. And like, that's a whole can of worms. But 
the one of the shows I remember we were supposed to go down to Richmond and the guy was actually going to pay us like a hundred bucks to play down in Richmond. Hey, that's a lot of money. <laughs> but, yeah, this was back in like 2010, I believe. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, we were getting ready to go hook the trailer up. The good old turd and fart trailer. <laughs> and uh, the lights weren't working. Try to figure out what the fuck was going on with the lighting, this and that. And I crawled underneath of it. Someone got up into the wiring harness on the trailer and cut the wiring. I was like, it wasn't, it wasn't a raccoon or something. <laughs> oh, it was intentional. No wow. one ever just kind of like the whole bears a square instance from the first episode. No one wants to own up to who cut the wires on the trailer either. We all have our suspicion of who it was probably the one that didn't want to play the show in general, but you know, Hmm. Watching cage fighting is apparently more funner to them than playing shows, I guess. Whatever. Well, that sounds like douchebaggery. 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 Yeah. I'm not saying uh, all people that watch MMA are douches, but there's a huge majority of them that do. I always <laughs> that, that was like the height of the era. Kind of like what we touched base on, I think, it was maybe last night's episode that we recorded where i said one of those guys were trying to wanted to fight and they're like dude i'm a cage fighter all uh, right <laughs> okay like, cool all right dude let's go get in this cage out in this auto zone parking lot yeah you're you're a cage fighter but i got a tire iron there that's not allowed in a cage <laughs> you're a cage fighter but i got a fucking nine millimeter in my glove box bitch now what right it's been no. a long time since I called a dude a bitch, but yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I actually do it often because <laughs> how I keep it real. But somebody's got to. Sometimes keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, Indeed. Well, tonight we're going to be joined by someone that you know. His I name do is know him. His name is Seth. So before we bring Seth on, definitely want to say thank you guys to everyone that's downloaded the podcast, listened to us, followed us on Facebook. We do have an Instagram. Mm. There is one thing that we could possibly use, and that would be some advice from people. Like, yeah, feedback. feedback. Yeah. yeah. What do you like? What do you dislike? What could we improve on? Anything that you could help with us to make the show better for everybody else would be awesome. Yeah. And I would, yeah, I would appreciate that too. If anybody told me, yeah, <laughs> I I've heard cricket chirpings. That's about all I've heard. And, and uh, kind of gets a little discouraging, but like, Hey, what'd you guys think? Nothing like, Oh, was it that bad? <laughs> like no one I wants think, to say anything. I feel like since we're not, we're not like big potatoes, not a lot of people are going to pay attention yet. I don't know. I think yeah. it's hard for any any brand new show to come out. And then it's like, oh, another one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I. it's a slow burn, yeah. definitely. But anyone out there listening, mm -hmm. if you would like to help us out, you can always give us a review, write a review, give us a ranking on a, one of the spotify's apple itunes whatever it is you listen to those rankings and reviews do help our visibility 
some weird algorithm shit that goes down. And anyone that wants to give us reviews, I have no problem reading those reviews on an episode. So I don't care if it says we suck asshole. I will read that review. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. Anyways, if you'd like to be on an episode of Dark Side of the Scene because you've had some pretty bad things happen to you, or not even bad things, just semi-bad things, but some good things too, because we're not yep. all negative. We're not here to destroy a scene. We're just here to talk about experiences. Yep. You can always send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we will get you scheduled on a future episode. We are currently booked out for like two months. So that's pretty fucking awesome. Oh yeah. So excited to hear all these stories. We're not just trying to focus on metal. A lot of the bands that we've talked to have been metal and that's fine because that's what you and I come from. But we are trying to branch out to other genres. So anyone out there that plays whatever it is, I don't really yeah. care. I want to hear really I want to hear coffee shop acoustic bad bad stories about that. I just I know there's some. There has to be. Yeah. yeah. We do have some others lined up further down that aren't necessarily metal, but it just seems to be these first episodes that we've been recording of it's mostly been from people that not so much that we know so much, but a lot of them we do know them or somehow. So kind of within our local area. But we're trying to branch out. We do got some people that I have no idea who they are and you have no idea who they are. So be interesting to hear from people that different walks of life, see what goes on in other areas. Mm-hmm. So I guess enough rambling. We're gonna bring Seth on in now. So hang tight. We'll be back in a second. We're joined by Seth. Seth, thanks for coming out and talking with Ed and I. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. What up, Seth? How you been, dude? Been a long time. It has been a long time. I think we had a long phone call like a couple years ago when you bought a guitar for me. But it was pretty yeah. cool. It's been three years ago in May already, man. It's weird. See, he remembers everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the day it showed up because because um, usually I don't buy a guitar sight unseen. I, I think I bought one off of eBay like 15 years ago or something. It was a yeah. Fire. But since I know you, I mean, you take just as good a care of your stuff as I do, if not better. Hey, people out there, um, I, he vouched for me, so you know I'm not a bullshitter. <laughs> uh, and, and it was a prestige Ivan is, and I just I couldn't think. The only thing that I told myself that I could say no to is, will it hurt me financially to buy this? Mm. So I'm like, yeah, I'm and, doing that. And I think you weren't hurting at the time because the Beast uh, arrow is good for you as far as like you know keeping busy. Yeah, I had just gotten my stimulus check like that week. I miss those somehow, even though they're, I feel like they're screwing us in the end, but I didn't say that. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I, I, I haven't played that guitar a lot, but it's an amazing instrument. There's no way it helps mm, That's good. Heck yeah. <clears throat> I'm so, not going to lie. Yes. I could definitely go for some stimulation, but uh, <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't sent any in the mail lately, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, for anybody listening, just so you know who I am, uh, uh, Ed on the podcast here is a former guitar student of mine when I relocated from Los Angeles back to Indiana at TG School of Music in Goshen. And we've uh, stayed in touch with each other the last couple of years. I've been out here in LA a total of about 12 years. 
roughly. I came out here in 09, attended the Guitar Institute of Technology in Hollywood, graduated with an associate's degree in performance in 2011, been a full-time musician not long after that. Man, I can't, I mean, I can imagine like the stories you're going to tell me because I've heard some of these, but like, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, was just, I had lunch with a, well, I, had a, I had a beer with him earlier, one of my former roommates who's a kick-ass bass player out here. And uh, he's from Massachusetts. Mm. And uh, we were talking about a lot of the crap that we've dealt with uh, in the scene out here that's similarly affected both of us. Mm. It's, it is not uh, anything like you would expect. It's mm. not musical mecca by any means. <laughs> so the sex, drugs, and rock and roll isn't exactly like what they say then. I haven't experienced any of the party scene out here and like the closest I came to that is like if you go to the Rainbow on the Sunset Strip, which is the only the whiskey is a pretty rock and roll place. I don't honestly don't like that place very much. <laughs> There's an act that I really want to see like my friend Travis is gonna be playing there pretty soon. His band is always amazing. Mm. Um, so I'll I'll go to that. But when you're at the whiskey they literally and it could be 10 feet in every direction around you, and they're going to come up, come up to you and ask you to move because you're supposedly blocking the exit to the place. It's not a very big place mm. um, in case there's some kind of hazard. Everybody has to get out. It's like the, there's nobody around. It could be Thursday night at midnight. And they're still going to ask you to move. It's to say. I've, I've seen you before in person. I don't know who would ask you to move. You're quite the stature of a man. <laughs> I'm like 225, six foot two. Yeah, see who's gonna ask you to move. I would. I'd be like, uh, never mind. I'm in your way, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there's uh, it's uh, like well, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day about just what it's like here because like the, the main thing that I've been doing, I haven't played a a paid gig as far as anything. I, I well. I have actually. I've been doing a church band gig mm. at my cousin's church up north of here in the Antelope Valley since last May, and they pay me really good. But as far as any kind of normal working musician band gig, I haven't been paid for one since late part of 2018. Ugh. <laughs> but I was talking to him about to where, you know, teaching is still great. I, I got like 40-some students or more right now. Mm. But um, I definitely want to do more artistic stuff, so I've been trying to break out, well, not I'm working on. I got a whole list of ads I found on musicianscontact.com and Craigslist. I got a reply from one of them today, but um, just, you know, trying to supplement income and do one or two days less of teaching mm. if I can, just so I can do some more artistic stuff and get out and do some real playing again. I've been doing a lot of jams and stuff since uh, last spring or so, like last May, but hasn't led to any actual gigs or putting any projects together or getting referrals or anything yet hmm. wild so like i forgot i lost my question oh well <laughs> i totally forgot spaced Fire it out over. i spaced it out nope, yeah nope. yeah so what is so let's say like when you first moved out there like oh well, has it got any better i mean obviously during the beast era but like when you got there, has it always been that same kind of like just 
dog eat dog out there? I haven't noticed a lot of change. Mm. And it's interesting because, you know, being from where we are in small town, Indiana, mm. everybody knows everybody and people are generally friendly. Mm. I mean, there's plenty of pricks back home, but <laughs> so, right. you know, I went to school with lots of them and <laughs> other ones outside of there, but, uh, and LA is a bit of a, I, I, more than a bit of, but I've been some of the best people I've ever known here. Hmm. most of them are what we call transplants like myself who aren't from here originally hmm. but uh, I didn't get a good taste of what LA was really truly like until I got out of music school because I was there for a year and a half and I played in bands for a good seven years straight before I moved out here to go to the school so I wasn't uh I was focused on just doing well at school and all that. I didn't go on auditions or didn't try to get gigs the whole time I was there until close to the end of my program. Uh, but uh, I got a real good dose of what it was like at first because the first band that I joined was uh, a thrash metal band. As far as I know, they're still going. I haven't kept up with them much. I did a music video for them or with them like six years ago now. Mm sounds right it was called the macabre melody they're called heavy justice um and I, I guessed it on their second record i don't know if they have a third one out now or not because it, it was a family reunion thing where they called up all their former guitarists and had us do guest solos on it hmm. but we had a lot of arguments back and forth via email and over the phone or not necessarily arguments but me telling them how much bullshit it was that the gigs didn't pay anything they only did seven shows with them the whole time i was in the band summer of 2011 till about a year later and the entire time i played with them the best show we did was at the whiskey that was the first time i played there i played there twice because mm. i bitched about the, the, the gig the whole time until i saw the, the band name on the marquee and then you know I, I set my shit up and i'm on the floor at the whiskey looking at my amp on stage at the whiskey i'm like okay i can deal with this being <laughs> right you know and it, it, but once you've done it once, it's it's not anything super special to speak of because any Joe Blow can play there no matter what. Oh damn, you got my got my hopes down then. <laughs> it's a cool thing to do, especially if you don't have to pay. Because I didn't, I, I've never paid to play once, and I refuse to. Hmm. But I mean, I have done a couple of pay-to-play shows, but none of the money for the pre-sale tickets. Because that's the bullshit phrase they use. So they don't say pay-to-play, but it means the same exact thing. Mm. and but none of the money came out of my pocket for it. But uh, they always gave me a hard time about that. Well, this is the way the scene works, and I can still only remember maybe 10 shows out of all the gigs I've played since I've been doing this professionally that I did for free. Hmm. A couple of uh, benefit gigs I did back home, and, you know, you know, I played a friend's wedding for free one time eons ago. Hmm. 20 years or something, but uh, I haven't noticed a whole lot of difference between when I first got here and now. If, if, if anything, it's it's one of those, it's a very catch-22 kind of situation because it hasn't necessarily been any better for me as far as the scene, as far as a professional, because for one thing, I... I I rarely ever take gigs because they're so insulting. 
Right. As far as what they offer, if anything. And as much as I have been part of the scene, to the extent that I have anyway, it hasn't done me any even marginally noticeable professional favors. Hmm. Hmm. So like, basically like what's an, like if a, let's say a band hits you up, like you're saying they wouldn't pay you like anything like, or a, you said a, a laughable amount. What's a laughable amount. You said, I've been offered 50 bucks to do one set. How long is the set? Generally, if you if you headline at a show, because most time it's several bands on one bill. Hmm. Just, and they do have bands that play all night out here like they do back home, like at Rex's or somewhere. But right. um, but it's not within like Hollywood or anywhere. You got to go outside of the city for the most part for that kind of thing. Hmm. But usually you're on the bill with three or four other bands, if not more, and you play maybe half an hour. So six, oh. seven songs. Yeah. But when gas is five, last year, whatever it was, it was like six fifty a gallon. Oh. <laughs> and then you fight traffic, and then you got to pay for parking. I mean, fifty bucks don't buy jack shit. No. And then you, and then they want you to attend rehearsals, and. But, you know, I understand that, but one rehearsal for six songs, if you don't know your shit, it's, to me, that's, unless it's like dream theater music, it shouldn't be that difficult to get it together in one rehearsal. As long as right. everybody's prepared. Because uh, one, one of the situations that I was in, this has been June of 2016, last time I played with them, I did five gigs with them. It was a hired gun gig. But the thing that what it was, I, I got the gig recommendation from a friend of mine. But I just saw a Facebook post and said, you know, I didn't know what kind of gig it was, but I messaged the girl who was the band leader. And this was, and this was, this is a term that exists in LA, like, like our mutual friends that I talked to the other day about this. I didn't mention this part of it to him. I probably have before, but uh, bands, like in the truest form of the word band, it doesn't mean the same thing here. So like when you form a band, it's like everybody equally benefits and everybody, like if you make money, everybody makes money. Well, here it's like, and it, you know, true bands do exist here, but this, this was a hired gun gig. So this is a singer who has original music who needs a band. Hmm. So this is a hired gun gig where they pay you to play their music. You're their employee. But what happened with that whole thing was, they paid me a hundred bucks and everybody else in the band initially for the first show, which was one of the top five best shows I've ever done. We fucking slaughtered that audience. Hmm. We, we, we said, sit back in the corner, watch how it's done. And because <laughs> we had one full rehearsal, we were supposed to do three rehearsals with the full band. The first one I couldn't get to cause I had to work late. The second one, uh, I think, I think I attended the last two and the bass player was sick. And then the third, the, final one we had the whole band there and we all had one rehearsal with the whole band and it was like we've been playing together forever and it nice. was great it was that we did the gig at uh bar sinister in hollywood right off the boulevard hmm. and we were it was only supposed to be a one-time thing because we weren't gonna 
necessarily play together again. We all love playing together so much. We want to keep doing it. But uh, then we decided to make it a real band and, you know, write stuff and actually, you know, build it up and see where we could take it. But the singer was such a moron. <laughs> they wanted it. She was trying to get the bass player to do the guitar tracks in the studio. And he literally told her, I'm not doing that without Seth because I'm not a professional guitarist. I, I can't make that sound like it's supposed to. So at least he stood up for me. And then after I did the next three gigs for nothing, including going to Vegas for most of the weekends, a couple of days off of work, she said it was going to be a hired gun gig again. Of course, she never asked for my songwriting input or anything of that sort. Mm-hmm. I only did one new original what, song. What kind of music was it? It was like pop rock. Pop rock, okay. Uh, couldn't couldn't call it hard rock, but it only had a it definitely had a rock kind of a vibe. To well, it. I'm still surprised she didn't ask you to do the studio, you know, the tracks. <laughs> well, the thing that that was too that she which really pissed me off was that she was paying the producer a thousand dollars per song. So how many songs was it? Like three? Yeah, she had more than that. I don't know how many. Oh shit! Song that she ended up doing total, mm. but uh, at the end of the three gigs that I did for nothing, she said it's going to go back to a hired gun gig, and we're only going to pay you fifty dollars a gig now. Oh my god! I should have told her kiss my ass right then and there. Yeah, because right after that, the the drummer that was with us, because the drummer that played what the first four gigs with us, only did five gigs total with them. He ended up banging the singer the first night of the first gig. That's kind of a, a taboo thing to do. Yeah, it's a very stupid thing to do. And I, and I knew that's what was going on because I saw him on the couch at the venue and they're all over each other. <laughs> it's always a fucking drummers. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they're usually the weirdest ones in the band. <laughs> from my experience. Yes. But uh, <laughs> that... Uh, so I called the I called the drummer up or I texted him because she had to hire a drummer to do the last gig with us, and uh, he was getting paid twice what I was for his first gig versus my fifth. I was wow. livid over that. Oh, I'm sure you would be. That's and kind of I, yeah. I texted her because she wouldn't because I had a few a couple of questions about you know certain things and and I also can't stand people who only want to text and they don't want to actually physically speak to you because that's the thing you got to deal with now. Period. It's texting's good for small bits of information, but uh, when it's like this is my boss and I can't talk to my boss. But yep. uh, but then I was like, well, shit. Since I did all these last three gigs for free, you owe me like four hundred and fifty bucks for the last three gigs because you didn't make any of this shit clear as to what the trajectory was, and I took off work and lost money to do it. So of course, instead of being cool and calling me or anything of that sort. I just got a text that said, you're out of the band, and I don't owe you shit because you agreed to do these gigs for free and buy an R. I'm like, okay, fine. Nobody does shit. Yeah, nobody does shit for free, though. Like, why would they take advantage of somebody? (laughs) What's the L.A. way, man? (laughs) That's that's fucked. How did she have the money to pay for all that shit if she was paying for the studio, she was paying, like, you guys out? Like, where was that money coming from? Uh, yeah. That I couldn't tell you for sure. I know she's a published author. Last I knew, uh, she's from New York originally. Like one of the 
but the bass player sent me a link of a video of them playing one of the songs that we did in the previous lineup she had before she came to LA and it was atrocious <laughs> simple like, just a simple like mid-tempo kind of relaxed kind of a rocker song mm. mostly clean tones this dude turned the entire song into a four minute guitar solo and not a good one either because <laughs> as much as I love playing guitar solos and you know, you're a lead player Ed um, let's serve the song important yeah, rule exactly. serve the song like huh. there's time for you to do that and there's time for you not to do that and it, that instrument can be very self-indulgent if it's allowed to be yeah it's true but it was a train wreck man well, she's paying them too, from what I know. But that's the uh, the thing I was trying to explain to our mutual friend the other day. It's like you know, this is your music, and because it's good as an employee uh, employer kind of situation. So hmm. it's not like you're you're not an official band member. Because if you're if you're a band member, then you're entitled to like an equal share of whatever is earned and whatever is going to benefit everybody. So if you don't own anything, they don't have to give you any of that. It makes sense if she published a book, then she knows how to play people. <laughs> so I don't know where her funds came from. Mm. She had a real big ego about herself because she was dating Joss Whedon for a little while. Well, the director? Yep. And he, he turned creepy, I heard. So I guess like, I guess that fell on her face, huh? Yeah. I mean, she was cool. That's the other thing about that kind of situation, too, because it's happened to me two other times. When I, and recently, too, like late last year. But my my friend, uh, the bass player I was just telling you about, he, he dealt with the same thing. And it's hilarious because her songs were good. They weren't phenomenal, but they were quality. Hmm. But it's, it's that deal where as long as you're willing to do, and this is after she paid me, it wasn't a ton of money, but it was something. Because especially in this day and age at this exact time, hundred bucks for a gig, depending on how much work is involved, but it's the average price for most gigs. And that's absolute bullshit. It's, it's not even being paid with what all your costs and everything are. That's not, no, yeah, not in LA. <laughs> no, not back home, but especially not here. Yeah. But it's, as long as you do everything for free and show up when you're expected to and make them look and sound good and do as you're quote told or, Etc. Etc. You're fine. They'll kiss your ass and tell you how amazing you are and everything else. But the second you stand up for yourself and say, "Hey, man, I can't do this for free anymore," then you're the asshole. Wow. It's happened to me at least three times that I can think of. The, the three of the, the most distinctive ones. And they never tell you this stuff to your face. It's always been a text or an email. Oh they're, God. They're spineless fucks who don't have the sack of cojones, the spine, whatever you want to say, to actually call you and say it directly to you or, or say it to your face hmm that's pretty scummy <laughs> i mean in general like wow i mean just because they're a higher gun don't mean they're any less human to treat them like gives the ability to treat my shit yeah it's yeah. uh i mean and, huh. and then there are situations where the i mean not that i've been privy to but if you're getting the right kind of scenario i'm sure there's plenty of situations where people are well compensated and taken care of and appreciated like that but mm. as far as in that kind of environment it hasn't happened to me mm. wow do you have like a 
<laughs> I'm obviously have mutual friends that have the same experiences. Never thought about having like a musicians union <laughs> for you know the wayward musicians that were shitted on. Oh, that's, that's technically what the musicians union is supposed to prevent. Oh. Uh, but every time I, I haven't thought about ever joining because I've actually asked one of my teachers out here. He moved out of L.A. a long time ago. But um, he said, unless you are, because when you look at the benefits of what they offer, your first thought is, well, why wouldn't anybody want, why wouldn't people not want to join the union? Because if you get a, a unionized gig this or whatever goes with that, then you're, from what I know, you're, you're well compensated, or at least you're you're covered, and they'll stand up for you. Hmm. But he also said that if you're at a certain age and you're paying your dues, most of those dues just go for paying the pension for people who have been in the union for 30, 40 years. Huh. Oh boy! There's a lot of, of gigs that that won't hire you if you're union because they don't want to deal with the union rules and regulations. So. He said for the longest time he hadn't been a union member, and he recommended I don't bother with it either. Mm. Well, damn. <laughs> Screwed either way. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. What the hell? Yeah. Do you have any idea how much their dues were? Like the cost of it? No, I, c I could look it up and see. I haven't been on their website for quite a long time. I don't think it was anything ridiculous. Yeah. That's probably a monthly or a yearly fee of some sort because i know that from what i know about it there's uh there's a there's certain gigs that you can't get unless you're union or they're they pay better like if they're union scale or whatever it is so that you can't get you can't get screwed but that's hmm. about the extent of my knowledge of the musicians union they did help me out big time a few years ago so i needed found out I needed a ton of dental work and uh, they had a, a mobile dental like a like a Winnebago or whatever they had and they, they cleaned your teeth for free and then there was uh in Pasadena I went to for a while there where they give you a big discount on everything and then the, the company this guy his name was Brett uh, it's called Music Cares and they have uh Last time I saw one of their specials, James Taylor was their person of the year. It's been years and years ago. Mm. But, uh, but they helped musicians with expenses, and they paid for all of my dental work, like $1,600. Damn. Yeah, I barely felt more appreciated than I did at that point because I've, I've got dental insurance, but it, there's only certain things that it covers, and it's not, it's not the greatest, but it, mm. it does what it's supposed to do for the most part. So... But you have like, you know, like health insurance too, then, correct? I have health insurance through the state due to the income bracket that I fall into. Okay. Medi-Cal. Hmm. Recovered California is another branch of that. Yeah, I always wondered how like that works for like musicians, like when, you know, being a musician is a different job than like my, you know, stupid nine to five versus you know the insurance they offer. Huh. Right. Well, I work for a guitar center. That's my okay. gig. That's and right. They don't give me. I've heard that the benefits aren't that great anyway from the like one of the managers at the store. Mm. So, but to get benefits, you have to be there. For, I think thirty six hours a week. I'm just shy of that. Like I'm there about thirty hours a week. Uh, but uh, 
the fact that they have requirements that you have to have a degree to work there as a teacher, or at least it used to be that way. I don't think it so much is anymore because some of the guys they've been hiring, they're either in school or they just have enough qualifications to, to do the job. So I don't think they're making that as much of a requirement anymore. Mm. But, uh, but at this point, I've been there since July of 2011, other than the, the year and a half that I moved home. They rehired me when I came back. Uh, but I've never had benefits at all. Mm. So I get 401k, and then, I, of course, I get the gear discounts. It's the only perks that I get there. So those are appreciated. I get no paid time off or any of that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, that's rough then, especially when you have to like get hired for something and you have to like take off for work. <laughs> yeah, that's uh well as I was telling our friend the other day about that, he's he, he didn't understand about the whole needing to be paid for rehearsal. And I'm like, Well dude, out here it costs as much as it does to live, so if I got right. off of work to rehearse with you, I'm losing a payday. I did that for one of the artists I played for and the gig was one of the best gigs I ever played in my life. Mm. top five gigs I've ever done. But I got paid a hundred bucks for the gig, but I lost like yeah. double that for yeah. the day off of work for that one hour of rehearsal I did. Cause they didn't want to practice on Friday night. They were, they said, no, we will practice on Saturday. I'm like, well, I have Friday free. I got to take Saturday off to be able mm. to accommodate this rehearsal. So, you know, shit like that happens. Not constantly. Usually they're, if they want you bad enough, because in these kind of situations, and of course, musicians are—I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen—but but you could throw a rock in any direction and probably hit a musician out here, or some kind of creative person. Sounds but, like it. <laughs> but in but in my case, like they need me a whole lot worse than I need them. So, like I'm I'm just at a point now where it's like I'm I'm a reasonable guy. It's not going to kill me to take a day off. My rent is what you would consider cheap out here but it's still not a small amount of money every month. Hmm. And it's just, that's kind of shit that happens all the time. But like, Hey, if you're, if it's, if you're an original artist and you need musicians, you pay for everything, including the musicians. That's just how it is. Because like, if those, like the last guy I played for, if you get, if he say he got a publishing deal or something, it's, it's his name or his band name on the marquee. I mean, it's not listing all the players because those players could be whatever he needs them to be for whatever iteration of the band. He doesn't have mm. to do jack shit. So you can do all this work and not not get a bigger piece of the pie if they are actually successful and make any real money. Yeah. So unless unless they're paying you along the way to do everything that you're supposed to do, then you're not being compensated at all. So like fuck you, man, pay up. So so that brings me a question. So like, how do these artists get so big enough to like? hire people because it doesn't sound like it's anybody that huge but like you know what i'm saying like what makes them qualified to be like well i need studio musicians for my thing it's like what where does this i want to say it's entitlement but like where does that come from that position for them to do that that makes sense to afford to pay people i mean yeah because they're like i'm a solo artist how did like are they backed by a, a label or something like there's a guy I've been talking to who I'm going to meet up with soon. I met him at my store late last year because he would like to focus on his original music, which is really good. Okay. He's also in the zone of, he's 
he's in his late 50s and he doesn't want to do it for free anymore so he's got to figure out how he can get some backing because some of these people they might have financial backers maybe just mommy and daddy are rich and they got unlimited funds mm, uh, but huh? i would guarantee most of them are probably just scrimping and saving because i honestly don't know i don't have a definitive answer to that question okay just because like with the, the one band that i played with for about a year we never did any shows but it was in van nuys which is about five miles from me i'm in the valley north hollywood Hmm. about seven miles north of actual Hollywood. And uh, he said when when they did shows before, it was a symphonic metal band, so we were doing Nightwish covers and their original music. And uh, nice. they, would, they would do the pay-to-play gigs, so they pay however many hundreds of dollars for their slot on the bill at the Whiskey or wherever they played at. But they would also pay the musicians whatever their fee per show was. So, hmm. you know, one show... Because a lot of people have asked, well, why don't you start your own band? And, well, this is a whole different scene, and I don't have the money to do that. Right. You, can, you have two or three rehearsals. You pay 50, 60 bucks for a couple of hours at a rehearsal room because most of us are apartment dwellers. So you don't have a garage or like a room in your house dedicated to that like you do back home most of the time. Mm. And then, uh, you know, you, you got however many musicians in the band, and you got to pay each one of them something because unpaid rehearsals are bullshit too because if you get again if you got to take off of work and lose money then you got to make that up somewhere because you could be making money somewhere else versus do that and then you pay to play and that's could be one, the one gig heavy justice wanted me to do was at this gig and i forget where it was at but it was this it's just an old abandoned ship not abandoned because it's but it, they made it into some kind of a venue for events and this place was huge the queen mary is what it's called Nice. And whatever our slot on that gig was going to be was going to cost $600. I, well, yeah, so that's what I don't get the pay-to-play thing. Normally, like, if they pay-to-play, you're opening up for somebody huge just so they can, like, compensate their guarantee for the band. But I'm, you're actually paying to play? Like, yeah, that, that would have been would have been a good networking opportunity because there were mm-hmm. so many bands and musicians there. So I, I do get that side of that. Like, you know, because when we played the whiskey, we got it on a Sunday night. We didn't have to pay them. Um, and then the next time I did it was July of 2018. And I'm sure it was a pay-to-play gig, but that was a whole, I was a hired gun gig. I, I didn't get paid for that show either. Huh. But, uh, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the whole thing as far as that goes. It's uh, they're, They either have funds from somewhere or they're just using any bit of extra money they have to do it. They could be starving artists themselves. I don't know, but huh? So uh, they're they're getting it from somewhere, right? I just like I said, like usually the the pay to play we do, like if we're opening for Nita Strauss, like we aren't really paying, but we're paying to sell tickets, and they give us like a percentage, and that's okay. But like that paid, what you're saying sounds a lot different and rough. <laughs> Shit, you're basically just paying to get on the show. Yep, that's kind of fucked. But I never. <laughs> I never was the last time I played at the whiskey, we were supposed to open for somebody who was, I forget the name of the artist, but they ended up being sick or they couldn't make it. So we played to practically nobody. Ugh. We were right. We were the artist right before the headliner was supposed to play. We probably would have had a good crowd. if that had been the thing. Hmm. But, uh, 
they were like somebody somebody famous's son who had a band or something like that. I can't remember who it was. But uh, yeah, as far as I know, uh, and I don't know a whole lot about the pay to play thing other than it's it's entirely voluntary and it's bullshit no matter what. Right. <laughs> but, so, around here, it's always just been you buy tickets basically and you're selling the tickets for said promoter slash venue and aside from the occasional d-bag most of those venues will give you a percentage of what you sell and then very rarely has there been someone that made you buy the tickets at face value up front but there has been some around here that's done that too but just the idea of paying just to get on the show in general it's kind of fucked up yeah, I remember the the guy that I played for in Van Nuys at the time when the House of Blues was in Hollywood. They tore it down like 2015 and never relocated it. So if you want to go to the House of Blues, now you got to go to Anaheim, which is a good 30, 40 miles away. Uh, right where Nam is. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he told me at that time, this is literally like 2011 or 12, at that time, one day's worth of operations at that place cost nine thousand dollars. The hell, That's insane to keep the place open for maybe it was a week or a month. I don't probably more, maybe it was a little bit. I don't think it was per day, but but uh, pay to play there, you had to you had to buy like over a thousand dollars worth of presale tickets. The fuck at that time, <laughs> huh? And I don't think that was due to opening for any major act or anything like that either. Wow. That's just to get on a show to play. Yeah. It seems like out there the venues are looking at it just as they're giving you the opportunity, so you're basically renting their building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. the, uh, well, the, the, I, I haven't booked shows since long before I left for L.A. because I was in two cover bands from, what, 2002 through 2006 Mm -hmm. Um, and I did booking for both of those bands but um, I took an audition workshop class at the school and the guy that ran that has worked with practically everybody handled auditions for all kinds of big names he worked with Guns N' Roses and you name it yeah (laughs) but he said when you go to those kind of places because like Heavy Justice wanted to book a gig at the Moose Lodge one time that was paid to play. <laughs> I told him I will hang myself with my neck strap before I will pay to play at the Moose. <laughs> I, I will gladly sit at home in my in my drawers with my beer and whatever I choose to eat in my PlayStation before I will insult myself to that degree. Right? Not even worth it. No, not at all. Huh? But uh, but he, he mentioned that a lot of these places that do pay to play. And this is, of course, has been 12 years ago this month I graduated from there. But um, that you want to go to the out-of-house promoter because the in-house promoter, I mean, they don't usually promote shit. They just put your name on the schedule. That's the, mm. They call themselves a promoter. Um, because if you see any advertisements for gigs at those kind of places out here, it's usually, it'll say, I forget the name, but it'll have some kind of production company attached to it so they'll say such and such productions presents live at the whiskey on such and such a date such and such a time 
So that's how you go through, from what I know, as far as the, that goes. And that um, that's where you have to pay to play. So if you go to the out-of-house promoter, that's somebody who doesn't actually work for the club. And they you have a better chance of either getting paid something or not having to pay to play there. Man, I'd slap the other person first. Like, like I want your job if you're just going to sit there and put a, my name on your marquee. <laughs> was it, is it like that at, back home at the clubs you play at now because I remember even in Culver, Indiana when I was home I played with Groupies Wanted for a while mm. and they weren't promoting the gigs at the clubs even at places that weren't known for having live entertainment they were still bitching that we didn't bring enough people in the door but yet they, they weren't known for having live entertainment we were the guinea pigs for it and they still acted like we were charging too much money and bitching about everything you could imagine but yet they weren't doing their part to promote the show well then that's their fault not yours you know you have a name and if you know if you have a business and you know you're bringing that name you should be kind of dipping your hand in promoting too i mean it makes sense yeah it does yeah, yeah. but if uh, they're not used to doing it then that's not that's the first rule they failed then <laughs> yeah i don't know if that place is still going or not it was what's it called again I cannot remember the name of the place. It was in Culver, Indiana. I have no idea where that is other than the restaurant, but that's... <laughs> right. No, it's actually called... The, the town was called Culver. Oh. Big town. Culver's kind of just north of, I think, Rochester. I think it's like north... Yeah, I think it's like north... Uh, it's off, off of 10, I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. That was one of the last couple of gigs I did with them. Because that was like late 2013, and then I did one or two other gigs before I took off, and I left in April of 14. I know I did one or two shows with them earlier that year. Hmm. Interesting. I remember where the last one was. At. I think it was at the bowling alley in <laughs> Goshen or Elkhart. That was one of them. I think it's Elkhart because I don't really think any gigs ever come to the Goshen one. It was yeah. pretty sure Signature Lanes because I swear that they have a cover band there once in a while. Pretty sure. Yeah, that was the place. Huh. Nice. I liked playing there because you were away from, you didn't have to sit in a death pot of smoke. Oh, that's true. They had the whole area just sectioned off just for the bar and whoever played there. That's yeah. Right. Inside the bowling alley there. Yeah, I don't miss those smoky places. <laughs> yeah, I've never ever smoked a cigarette, and damned if I'm going to now. No. I, I hit, took one hit off when I was 13, but that was enough. That was the nastiest thing I've ever put in my mouth. That's very true. Like, I'll have, I'll kick back a few and then be like, this ain't shit. And I'll just take a smoke cigarette, only like a puff puff. So I'm like, this is fucking sick. I don't know why you guys smoke these. Even I'm even I'm drunk and I'm like I know better. <laughs> I still got morals after drinking too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've never yeah. been one for cigarettes either. Yeah. It's, it's vile. Pretty gross. So, so I, I had another question, but oh well. I mean, I'm not. I'm just losing them today. What other uh, crazy things have happened? Like, as far as you know, like the scene out there. or any other things come to mind? Oh man, there's there's so many stories I can. 
me think of besides the other two situations that I look at the whole, you know, I said, Hey, I need to get paid, whatever. And, and got the, the whole bullshit of, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm being demanding and this, that, and the other, um, let me think there's, it's a little bit of everything, man. I'm trying to think of some hmm. really unique stories. Like, uh, like what, well, this didn't happen to me. My best friend, uh, who's been out here since like 2000, he's, he lives in Austria, but he comes back a couple of times a year. I met him at my store. He said he went to it. He was on his, he was going to do an audition, but the bass player, uh, was going to ride with him and showed up to his place with a bag of laundry and asked him if he could do laundry while they waited before they took off to go to the gig. Uh, asking him for quarters. Like he didn't know him that well, correct? No, he didn't think he'd met the guy the first day. There was just the usual uh, this, that, and the other of you know, hey, uh, I'm I'm on my I'm going I don't live very far from you. We can ride together and we get to know each other on the way there, that kind of thing. But yeah, you know, the kind of the kind of shit people pull is just absolutely ridiculous. One of and, the one of the actually now that I think of it, another spineless prick. Um, I, I met this guy when I was first out of school and trying to just network and find gigs. So I knew him from the first time I lived out here. Hmm. And I went to his gig the first day I was back at Guitar Center in 2014. It was Father's Day that year. And there's this swap meet that they have in a place called Saugus. It's about eight miles from my store. I, I work north of L.A., about 20 miles in a place called Valencia area where uh, uh, Six Flags is at. And uh, what was it there? And they weren't doing anything special. They were, they all funny thing. They're, they're all wearing wigs. So they actually didn't have the ability to grow a hair that was long. Except for, I think the guitarist, he was cool, but they were playing like Stone Temple Pilots and nineties rock and all that stuff. And I had found a, a Craigslist ad the guy was a really interesting dude and I say that kind of loosely because he was just all over the place because when I first talked to him I only jammed with him for maybe like 20 minutes <laughs> and I drove a good decent distance to get there and we did like three songs I was like hey I gotta go and then after that I never did play with him again but he would call me up or text me with a different idea for a different kind of band like practically every week and we never did get anything going wow but when I when they took a set break and I walked back at the swap meet to just talk shop with them a little bit and see if they wanted me to audition for them. First thing he asked me, he, he, it, it's hilarious because he acted like this was some sort of gig that is some kind of prestigious thing. It's a working cover band that I've done mm -hmm. a shitload of. He said, so you think you got what it takes to do this gig? <laughs> I don't think I do. I know I do. Because I remember the first time I met him in person, he had the same guitarist in, the, in that band back then. He he said, because I guess the guy was kind of flaky. Mm. But, uh, he said, you know, if you want this gig, you're going to have to step up and take it from him. So what, <laughs> like living after midnight takes a whole lot of uh, extracurricular practice for most people. Because, yeah, you know, I love Judas Priest, but it's, it's got to be the basic songs that's breaking a lot of that they have that, that's just funny that like that sounds like i don't know if it's gonna 
me gonna offend anybody but that sounds like the most la cliche thing that, that he says to you oh you got what it, you got i think you got what it takes like like that's not very encouraging that's just yeah. like almost condescending i don't know <laughs> yeah it actually it actually is you know because it's not like i mean you know you just don't know who you're gonna run across you know right there are plenty of musicians i could tell you couldn't do that kind of gig right because they're they're not used to playing 40 songs a night and playing all night and, and memorizing all that kind of all that material I, I haven't done it for a really long time yeah but uh but I, the first thing i thought was well this guy's a decent player but i could play circles around this guy yeah i, I don't get on my high horse about that i've earned every bit of my guitar playing ability but uh it wasn't like my favorite line to use for this kind of thing is it's not dream theater. Right. Fuck that. I wouldn't even take that. I can't. Even, yeah. We'll not talk about that. But, yeah. <laughs> but when I talked to the guy at this most recent gig on their set break, he wanted to know what kind of gear I had. And you know, I said, you know, Ibanez, whatever other guitars I have, I have a bunch of other stuff too, but uh, PV amps. And then he, the first thing he says when he hears PV, he says, ah, no, PV guys don't work the fuck like uh well ask anybody i've been in a band with this is the only amps i've ever owned you should have told them that you don't you wouldn't say that to van halen would you <laughs> exactly yeah like uh okay so and he started getting a little bit shitty about it <laughs> and i was like dude i'm not gonna stand here and defend that you ask so is this the is this the guy with the fake wig right uh-huh yeah i would not have took it seriously just because of that but you know well, about two weeks later, if even that long, because I remember I called him or I texted him one, one way or the other. Because he did, the thing that was intriguing was he did a fair amount of gigs. So if I had played with him, it would have been a regular paying gig of some sort. Hmm. But uh, it wasn't anything that I wasn't used to doing already. You know, you, in those kind of bands, you know, you, you meet everybody, they say, hey, you're in, you start learning the songs, you, re- you practice all the tunes, you start playing, you play, you know, three hours worth of music every time roughly three four sets but about 10 days later or whatever it was i get this mile long text <laughs> that said, and he knew i went to mi in hollywood which is music institute but it's where git started yeah and uh they have it because every program is whatever institute of technology vocals is vit and so on and it said you are kidding yourself you think anyone will take you seriously if you use that kind of gear real professional guitarists use fender marshall mesa vox orange that kind of stuff it's coming from a drummer by the way uh-huh. and he said the school i went to was a joke this that and the other and, and if, if i'd known where he was and where he lived and i wasn't afraid of jail time i would have broken his fucking legs was he short yeah Start off little bitch fucking drummers man short drummers with the bad attitudes i don't understand it's a stereotype and it's a fucking real stereotype for a reason i don't understand that like it it really is like short drummers have a shitty attitude sometimes i don't know what it is the one that we had is he's really fucking good drummer and he's the one that passed away we won't go into why but uh he had a very, very God complex about himself, and he was a short little fucker. <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah, the funny part was too that I could have said the same thing back to him because he played Gretsch drums. 
Well, those are like a rock drummer to use that gear. No, those are like basically, you know, you go to guitar, you go to guitar center, and it's like the cheapest, cheapest drum set right there. Right. No offense to Gretsch users, I'm just saying, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, he he called me a couple days later after that, and uh, well, he texted me several times and said, "Hey, man, let me know if you still want to audition." And I, had re- I was about to pick up when I recognized the number because I didn't have him saved in my contacts. Oh. I listened to a, a, like 10 seconds of his attempted apology. See, he talked like that. Called himself Patman. And uh, he said, hey, bro, I owe you an apology. And the only reason he bothered to call and even attempt to apologize, which I wasn't about to listen to anyway, was because someone told him that it was probably a bad idea to knock me for the kind of amps that I use. Hmm. He didn't come to that realization on his own. Did he actually call you bro? Yeah. That's literally what the drummer was. He called everyone bro. What's that, bro? I'm not your bro. I don't even like you, but you play <laughs> drums. So you could be in the band, even though you're a fucking douche. <laughs> Yeah, that was, and I never even played with the guy except for one jam I did that one time years before that for like mm. maybe half an hour. The, the 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 level of egotism of some of these people I've dealt with, it's it's absolutely mind blowing because their delusion is they make the people who audition for American Idol look like they're normal. Because huh. like my, my friend I was meeting up with today. He said, the, the, the bigger their dream is, it's usually where the talent is at the like the lowest spectrum it can be. And then they, they get sucked into this whole idea that they're going to be rich and famous, even if they have the funds. Because it is to market an artist and actually do anything, especially out here, the, the costs are astronomical if you're really trying to push something. And it's just ridiculous as how big their egos are. And they're usually the people who have, they don't have it together musically, much less any other way. It's funny how that works, though. Like, every time, it's like a, I'm not saying everybody's, obviously there's not, there's a big portion of the, of, of people that don't act that way, but it's amazing how, how, how inflated their head gets. But they, they don't overlook their playing. I, I, I don't understand all that. Must be a sure. must be a wired wrong brain thing. Like their parents dropped them on their head. I don't know, but I never understood that. I never have either. The, yeah. the last guy that I played with, because I don't know if you remember, we were doing that whole Hollywood Bowl competition thing. Mm. I'm sure I sent you a message about it once or twice, or if not more. Mm. And during the beast, when the lockdown thing was a, a deal, he. Uh, he brought a CD over because I played on his record. I did the lead for it. Yeah. Um, somebody had bought a CD that they wanted him to have whoever played on an autograph. So I did that. This was before anything was back open again. And he's like, we need to put a band together now so we can be ready when everything opens again. We're going to take over the world, man. Huh. And this is a dude that's in his, he just turned 68 this last month. And it's like, uh, and then, and then he tried to shame me because this was when I was furloughed and didn't know if I was even going to be able to go back to work. I was considering leaving this, the area because I didn't have a clue what my future was going to look like. I don't think a lot of us did. 
Nope. And it was a very spooky, fucked up time. Yeah. And he tried to shame me, which doesn't work. But he said, you leave here and it'll affect you for the rest of your life. And you forget it. I said, dude, I left here once and came back already. So you're, <laughs> you're blowing smoke up the wrong ass. Sixty-year-old, telling you that shit, and then, but he wants to take over the world. I think he should worry about like himself. Maybe he'll like what kind of maybe worry about not dying soon, right? What kind of retirement bus he'll have, not a tour bus. So he's he's so (laughs) foolish because I've friend him. I blocked him, (laughs) but uh, because I'll never speak to him again. Sure. What's in his face? His brains were on fire, and he was dying of thirst. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, he uh he he does this thing where he feeds the homeless and brags about how much money he spends to do that but he's he just turned 68 but on a friend a mutual friend of mine who used to he used to have him have her on the facebook messenger video when we would do rehearsals because she was supposedly promoting us in croatia um but she sent me a link to uh, a post that his wife put up and he's He's claiming that he's 46 years old. Oh. And you can, I just turned 46 last month, dude. There's just, yeah, he's, he's, he's embarrassingly full of shit. You can definitely tell he's, he doesn't look, he looks good for his age, but he sure as hell don't look like he's in mid 40s. That's probably going to be me when I'm that old. I'm still going to think I'm younger than I am with the stupid mentality. God bless you, old man. <laughs> I feel like anyone that has to brag about something good that they do and they want that recognition of look at me, look at me, I'm doing something good. That's the first red flag that they're a fucking douche. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you got a good point there, man. Because that's not something you should have to brag about because you're no. just doing something good for somebody else. Like, if I wanted to donate to, like, a dollar to the Salvation Army or when they ever asked be like, hey, you want to round up your change to Riley Hospital? I'm like, sure. I don't go and post a picture of my fucking receipt. Look, I gave 32 cents to Riley. Look at me. Like, uh, it's, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. That, that actually, that, that it's a, here, well, here's how ridiculous, I'll just go into a little bit more of a story hmm. about how ridiculous this guy was. So that whole thing stemmed from, because he's the guy who said we needed a band to be put together. This is eh, not quite a year after I did the leads on the record. I did that in October of 2019. <clears throat> but uh, so after we had a couple months of rehearsals, as I was venting to the drummer who was this dude, I don't think the dude's a bad guy, but he's a weird dude. I mean, his, his eyebrows are literally tattooed on. He, didn't, he does not have physical hair eyebrows. They are tattooed on, and they're turquoise blue, and they're really noticeable. But he's got tattoos all over the place. He's from New York, I think, originally. He's in his mm-hmm. mid-50s or so. He's a competent drummer. But he's a, he's one of those dudes who will... You can be a rude asshole and be on your phone and noticeably ignore him. He'll keep talking. You can even get in the car and just like, be like, dude, I got to go. Shut the door. He'll keep talking. It's like, it doesn't matter. Oh man, that is weird. I know some people like that. <laughs> but um, you can talk shop with him, but he's, he's got to know how much of you can tolerate because he just gets annoying after a while. He's not being a dick. That's just how he is. 
don't think he's mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. See, the whole the whole thing about that was that uh, I remember the name of the producer, but one of a producer that did an Alice Cooper record in like 2007. It was a Paul Came a Spider. Uh, took an interest in this dude's music because he happened to just notice him because he wears this gothic clothing all the time. <laughs> And they happened to share, I, I didn't ask, but we'd been doing rehearsals for about a month. I'm like, how did you come across this guy again? He said, they shared a mailbox address. Because, uh, you know, in an apartment building or whatever, you know, you go down to the lobby and everybody's mailbox is in the same location. And so he took an interest in him. And, oh, you, you're a musician, you're a rocker too, whatever, okay. <laughs> so he was paying all this money for the uh, songs to be re-recorded because what they were saying that because these people make money off of these delusional people because they mm. think they're going to be rock stars because they have this big connection. So they'll tell you whatever you want to know. From my experience, I mean, why wouldn't they? Um, it's dishonest, but you know, <laughs> they got to make a living too. So from my knowledge of it, so they were supposed to re-record so many songs on the record because there were, there were eight or nine songs, but I think they cut two or three of them, so we were only going to do six, because I was told that we were supposed to learn the new parts that they were going to do to make it more attractive for this guy's manager, who was the dude that got you in the door, like as far as opening for major bands and getting on major tours and that kind of thing. But we only ever heard one new version of one of those songs. And I didn't like it. I didn't think it was the, the quality of the recording that I played on in the first place was absolute shit. It was just was not good. You couldn't hear the drums very well. The rhythm guitar was barely audible. He did it in his apartment with his recording rig that he had there at the time. And when I did the leads, I recorded through a Behringer P amp, which is their yeah, it's like a their version of the Line Six Pod. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. The tuner in the thing didn't even work. Thank God I lost to you two with me when I did that session. I did two separate sessions. Uh, but uh, so, he would, and we would chat on the messenger a lot and go back and forth about this, that, and the other. And he gave me some shit about something one time that it was my responsibility to contact somebody because we never had a, a keyboard to play with us the whole time. And I told him, no, this is your band, dude. It's not my responsibility. Right. But when... He, uh, the last time we rehearsed, which actually was the best we, we sounded, because an old bass player of mine I hadn't seen in years, I need to hit him up again. Um, my favorite band that I've been in since I've been here was a heavy instrumental band, very Joe Satriani-ish, but more kind of a science fiction-y theme. Hmm. Only did three gigs with them, but the bass player from that band came out and auditioned, and we actually sounded about as good as we ever have. But, uh, the drummer must have told him that I said it's not, this is bullshit because it's his band and it's his responsibility because dude came over to me and shook my hand and said, by the way, this is, this isn't my band. It's our band. <laughs> and I just shook his hand and said, okay, sure. I'm thinking, yeah, what the hell ever. But then in that same uh, moment of time, he asked me right then, what do you think? How do you think we would do if we just shopped the recording we've already got around to some labels or some management companies and, and did that? And I'm like, well, dude, 
why are you spending all this money for them to re-record the songs if that's what you wanted to do in the first place? Right. And no label worth a damn would would want to public push this record in its in its form that it was. I mean, even my playing on it wasn't that great because he wanted me to interject lead guitar wherever there was a break. Like there's, and I did it all off the cuff because I'm an improviser, so I didn't work anything out ahead of time. Hmm. And it fit the album, but uh, it was just complete overkill and the tone was just as good as I could get it but, so that prompted me to ask a bunch of questions plus I've been doing the rehearsals for nothing up until that time so this is about three months in and I finally got to where it's like yeah he, he took me to dinner a couple of times but that's what they often do as well they'll they'll spend whatever it costs to take somebody to dinner which could be like 40 50 bucks for one person easy but they won't give you gas money or anything. Huh. Like, you know, I can buy my own dinner. I earn a living, but you know, if you really want to value me, give me some fucking cash. Where would he take you to eat? Just, just as, as amusement. Actually, pretty decent places like steakhouses and stuff like that. Oh shit! <laughs> first meeting we had, actually, strangely enough, the guy that was supposed to play rhythm guitar in the first iteration of the band, which we didn't actually need a rhythm guitarist. It's a one guitar band easily. <laughs> um, but um, he just accepted my Facebook friend request like today. Oh, okay. <laughs> he had us all meet up. We were we had a we had a bass player and a drummer, and me and then him, and then this other guy playing rhythm guitar. And none of those guys ever played with us. Uh, it got to there was you know band bullshit exists as you guys know, and mm-hmm. something to do with one of the guys couldn't make it or he hadn't responded to this dude's name. Del- Miss Captain Delusion's name was first name was Tim, um, is, but, um, he got pissed off that he hadn't responded to his text right away, this out of the other, and there was some misassumption, there was some miscommunication somewhere, but the bass player was best friends with the drummer who he thought was being a pain in the ass, and so Tim called some other drummer or got the, got the, the weird guy with the tattoos, tattooed eyebrows and all that to do it. And because the, the drummer was best friends with the bass player, and the bass player said, if he's out, I'm out too. But hmm. after that whole ordeal of him telling me it's our band, and what if we shop the original recording around, I've been meaning to ask some questions and say, look, I can't do this for free anymore anyway. And so I typed out a long-ass email. It was really thorough and really professional and straight up. I, I honestly thought the guy was a friend. But... Uh, I, I, I even served at a, a church a mile from my apartment during the whole lockdown thing and fed the homeless with it mm. for a few times. And it was a good experience for me. But... You didn't take selfies? Did he? No, you. Oh, no. Of course not. You know better. <laughs> Rarely ever do that shit. Right. But, uh, you know, just laid it all out. and like, hey, here's here's what's up. This, that, and the other. Proofread it. All the whole thing. I even said, hey, I don't want it to affect our friendship, anything like that. He fires back with this, all this crap about, you know, how bands have to do everything for nothing for years before they make it. And Van Halen and all these huge bands did that, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm 45 and I'm not 20 years old starting my first band anymore. Right. And and he, what what happened is to why he was talking about shopping the original recording around was that he ran out of money. And they mm. put the project on ice. 
so he only had that one recording so we were we didn't have anything to go from because i was also concerned about you know if i'm expected to play the parts on this record that could be completely different than the way i, I play because i'm a real aggressive improvisationalist when it comes to the way mm. At least in a more intense kind of setting like that. I can do whatever, but that's how I generally approach it. Yeah. If dude is playing more like blues based pentatonic stuff, which is not my style for the most part at all, <laughs> then that was going to be a problem for me. And I mentioned all of that. But uh, I also mentioned, like, because he was talking about paying something like 12 grand to record six songs. And I don't know if that's a standard fee or what, but I'm like, well, so. Since you're paying these industry pro session guys all this, where the hell is the money for the band that's actually doing the work to get ready to play these shows? Right. And it's just, it's because if it was an actual band, like he said it was, then we'd be privy to all that information. But he didn't bother to tell us shit until that happened. And then the funny part was, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I deleted his reply email, <laughs> but uh, he, he said something like, if you really want to get somewhere, stick with me. I've been driving the bus for this long and I know where I'm going or some bullshit like that. It was hilarious, dude. Sounds like the bus left some tire tracks. <laughs> Sounds like the bus left some tire tracks on his forehead with them Arbras. Oh, yeah. This dude is the... He's the, one of the worst case scenarios I've come across as far as that one. My God. That's, that's funny. Like, we earlier said, like, they only had one guitarist. They they didn't need a rhythm guitarist. It's something funny when I write stuff. I think about you because of how like, man, why are they playing something where they don't need two guitarists to be playing that? And I always think of that when I write stuff. <laughs> so I gotta make it interesting because like Seth's probably listening. <laughs> it's just a random thing that when you said that, I remember you saying like, why do they have two guitarists? That guy can just play that. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. Listen. It's a time-honored debate that I've had with so many people who aren't right. musicians. Because they'll they'll say that you need two guitarists, and and as working as a working musician, the first thing I want to know is how many people in the band and who makes how many how much does everybody get paid? Because if we don't need any, if we don't need this one person, that's one less person we got to split the money with. That's true. And it's also I'm and this is just purely from what's the word I want to use from experience as much as knowing what my own abilities are i've played with some guitarists who are less than to the task right and like if they can't keep up with me or if they're not at least on my level of playing and because i'm not babysitting anybody anymore then i'm not dealing with them so no especially yeah. if you're in la then they should know their shit allegedly you would think so yeah right huh Cause that's what because then you mentioned all these one guitar bands that were huge, you know, like Rush, Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, Ozzy. Mm. They didn't need fucking rhythm guitars. No, that's what the bass player's for, but, you know, everybody forgets the bass player sometimes. Yeah. And if, and if I absolutely have to do harmonies, I got to harmonize on my pedal board now. Right. Right. Does it sound hugely awesome? It's a TC Electronic one. I love their pedals, but. It's, it sounds a little artificial, but it's not like I use it all the time. Oh. It's more of a, a gimmicky thing I bought during the Beast. But, <laughs> but it's a cool pedal, and I really like it for yeah. what it does. You, have to, you actually have to know your theory to use it correctly. 
Right, because you got to set like the mode and the keys. Yeah, I remember those things. Mode, the key, and then whatever interval you want it to harmonize to. Yeah, I'm too lazy to dig into that. Like, if I need something that double it, so I'm just like, ah, whatever. I like the the rawness of what I was supposed to play, but not harmonized. <laughs> right. So, uh, so after the beast, like, well, during the beast, I know you said you kept busy, like, teaching, and well, that's all you could do, really. I mean. You saw you can go like any gig and whatever because everybody was on lockdown and paranoid as hell, you know. And then you said you did teaching, and then so how has it been afterwards? Like once every, once things started opening up, like did you go pursue something else, like gig wise, whatever? I'm trying to think when things started to open. I know, right? It feels like so long ago, yet it wasn't. <laughs> I can't believe it's been three years ago this month. Um, that's true. Nineteenth. That's the that's the day I graduated school out here. Um, so got huh. we, we literally were told at the store that the about not quite a week before all that, maybe two weeks if even that, because almost nobody was showing up for lessons then. Mm. Uh, but uh, we get paid whether they show up or not. But um, which is the way it should be. But they said <laughs> Look, we're we're ceasing kind of operation of the lessons program as of this week or whatever it was and i remember going to ralph's not yeah actually ralph which is like owens out here um mm. and stocking up a bunch of stuff and then hitting the liquor stores like i am not enduring being at home and can't go nowhere without without alcohol <laughs> but uh once it uh once things started to open up because now you see you see tours and shows and like I was, I've got a whole list of gigs that I'm going to reply to later tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, rejoined the musicians contact, which has been out here as an online or however they did it back in the day, uh, service for working musicians. I've got six or seven different things. I got a, mm. I got a call back from a guy that I was busy. So I had to hit it back later. So there's a lot of shows going on and, Things are mostly back to normal here that I've noticed. I don't think there's anything that's being prevented like it was due to that at this point in time that I can tell. I still feel like, in my opinion, I think nobody really changed as far as like egos and stuff. Because as sad as it sounds, and I say this a lot on the podcast, that like I say don't take things for granted, but like I feel like that doesn't matter because just human nature to still be a jerk and like take you know, just take things for granted and not take things for granted. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. It is human nature to do that. Cause yeah. until something's not around anymore. You don't think about it as much as when you're in it. Yeah. You don't know what you got till it's gone. It's pretty, right. pretty damn truthful. But, uh, like, like, like before the whole beast lockdown thing, I mean, my social life was barely existent. So when they started being told and saying, you have to have a card before you can get into this. Oh, 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 don't say that. <laughs> oh, you can edit that out. Yeah, you will. Uh, but they, uh, it was like, well, you're not hurting me because I didn't have much of a social life before. So right. do your worst, you know? Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like my, my girlfriend was asking me about how, if I'd gotten any callbacks from the, uh, ads have been answering for gigs mm. and i said yeah i've only gotten one or two and then one guy was gonna call me he had some kind of evanescent sounding act 
which wasn't yeah. the song wasn't bad, but it wasn't anything spectacular either. Was it a female? Like I had a said, singing on the track that I listened to, but the dude's name was Andy. I never did talk to him. Oh. Uh, but I told her it's, it's like when you're on a dating site, you know, you send you send messages to people you're interested in, and you're lucky if one or two, maybe three of them reply, and you just go with the ones that that actually give you a reason to think they might be worth the effort. Mm. But I, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything that feels any different since all that opened back yeah. up. Like before all that went down, I was going to the Viper Room a couple times a month at least to doing what they call the sunset jam. Mm. And that's where you sign up for your instrument and then you show up and there's no rehearsal at all. And that's becoming a thing out here. It has been for a while now. So I started doing that in 2016 initially. Um, and then you just show up and you look the part and you, you know your shit and you look good or you don't. <laughs> right. But, uh, because I started doing that same thing, but it's at a different place. It's at a, town called Tarzana. It's about eh, 15 miles from where I live. And it's just at a different venue, which I like better because the, the Viper is the size of a shoebox. I'm sorry. It's a lot I'm bigger, sorry. more open area. And, and I like the song selection that they do a lot better there for the most part, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing these legendary bars are a lot smaller than they the reputation proceeds. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, <laughs> first time i went to the whiskey because it's it's not that big i mean the that's what that yeah big. we had another guest say that too that he played there and it was like small i'm like what huh yeah it's uh i mean i was well, of course i saw your post on facebook that you were doing this podcast now so first i wanted to throw my two cents in because i honestly think nationwide there's a dark side to every music scene in the country from the mm-hmm. shit that i read online because yes. as creative people, period, whether you do music or you're a filmmaker or you paint elaborate pictures of things or whatever it might be, we're all fucked in some respect because we're not respected as creative people. Mm, true. <laughs> and yeah, it's just that's the truth. Like, there is a lot of scenes and other than ours, and a lot of people just think that we're trying to look for dirt on our own. It's like, that's fine and dandy, but like, or some people say their scene's great. Why would you come up with something like this to Brandon? And I'm like, that's not the point of it. There's a lot of scenes that aren't that great. And we just want to hear stories like yours, you know, like this has been like interesting view of where you live and how things are there. Because a lot of the things you said, I've never heard of because I don't know that whole scene. Right. You know? Yeah. We're not trying to make needless drama or cause more negativity and this and that but a lot of people for some reason have gotten their panties in a twist thinking that that's what this podcast is all about is starting a bunch of drama and bullshit no if you guys are okay with how your scene is even if that means being force-fed shit and you eat it up that's cool for you doesn't mean everyone else thinks it's cool (laughs) oh yeah very good point because most of the reason, well, I, I can't say most of the reason, but a very large percentage of the reason why the scene sucks in any particular part of the country or maybe even the world. Because I've heard that in other parts of the world, musicians are a whole lot better competent than they are in the U.S. Mm. But, um, like I've heard if you play somewhere in like 
Mexico is just like a street musician. You make better money than any of us would ever dream about. Damn it, smooth Mexico. <laughs> no, absolutely. But so much <laughs> of that is because the musicians and the creative people don't value themselves enough to say, fuck you, we're not doing it for nothing, or we're not doing it for that. Yeah. And then the creatives, like my our, our mutual friend I had the discussion with the other day, and, and it'll be, I don't know if it'll be awkward next time I talk to him or not, which probably won't be very long from now, because we communicate pretty regularly, but it's like, you know, you have your you have your opinion about it, I have mine, but it's a completely different scene here. But the whole not valuing not value not valuing yourself and saying, Oh, it's okay because I have a job for that. I don't need to get paid to play. Well, fine, but my job is playing guitar. That's why I, that's the whole reason I moved out here and gave up everything and went into debt because I didn't want to work at a shit job I hated for another forty hours a week. I was already thirty two when I moved here. Right. And yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes I feel that way. Like if we don't get paid much for the band, I'm like, uh, I have a job. But I, even then, like I still enjoy playing. Like I don't know how. Like I, I couldn't be in your shoes. Like what you do, you know. But no, it's it's different. It's it's yeah, it's different lifestyle very, for both. I mean, it's yeah. absolutely it's astronomically like completely 180 degrees different. Yeah. And I do agree that because some cause, like some of the best gigs I've done. Even the one I lost money on, I still got paid, but I didn't make profit because I had to take a day off work. That one gig I played out here at Molly Malone's, the the, uh, band leader was a Parliament Funkadelic alumnus. Mm. And uh, drummer was one of the three three best drummers I've ever played with. But, um, and then when I did with the instrumental band, I, I made a total in the three gigs that we played. I made $110 total in three gigs. Wow. Uh-huh. I loved playing for that guy. Right. I miss playing with that guy. I can keep up with him all the time. He's in Taiwan now. Mm. Uh, that's where his wife uh, was at. He's a, it's like an international touring musician. He sits, he He's not a teacher, is he? <laughs> we, just talk, we talked to a guy for, that lives in Taiwan. He taught at a university out here or something. No, it's not the same guy, but that's interesting. He said that. <laughs> yeah, the, the episode three the, was a guy from Taiwan. Well, right, but we all have the we all have the artistic need to get out and play because it's yeah, but and it's what we do. So there's there's nothing wrong with the musician that says I'll play for nothing because it's something I need to do and I enjoy it. There's I don't have any right to tell anybody they can't do that. Right. It don't help it get any better. By acting like that's acceptable for everybody. No, I mean we gotta we gotta still pay for other things like for the band yep. that that wouldn't come out of our pocket. I mean, in a perfect world, it'd be nice if we all could do this and get paid and have that same great feeling on stage and then get off. Everything's paid for. We go to the next. You know, it would be nice ideally. Like, but it's not always the case. Obviously, for a lot of people, including you, you know, and myself. Yes a rare thing for me but i'm i'm definitely feeling good about just making the effort because i know something's gonna hit sometime i've been hitting everybody up that i that i know of recently um and just saying hey you know i'm back in the game of wanting to supplement my income or do a little less teaching or just get back in the scene and do some actual paid gigs and i'm i'm gonna have to do some shit for free for a while before i 
most likely before I actually get to a situation that will yeah. be. That's okay, because I can write off the mileage and all that stuff and any expenses I have. But uh, it's it's one of those things you have to do. But uh, it's also, like there's a guy, follow him on YouTube. I'll send you the link. It's called Music Space, spelled with a K. Mm. Music. And his name's Terrence, something or other. But I love his... He doesn't say it condescendingly, but he he really knocks the hundred dollar paying gig. Because <laughs> he said, you know, there, he has several videos on there of why you should stop taking hundred dollar gigs, and I can't agree with him more. Because hmm. hundred bucks ain't shit. No, huh, not in L.A. either. <laughs> it wasn't back home, but especially here, man. Yeah. Like the last I might have an audition with a cover band this Friday. They're doing. They're doing a little bit of everything. Mm. But uh, Lenny Kravitz and EMF from the 90s, that song, Unbelievable. Mm. Man, Unbelievable. Oh, I remember that song. Yeah. The Cure. The, and he said that they do private parties or because before all the, the Beast thing, they, uh, they were doing quite a few private parties and making pretty good money. But uh, right now they're reforming the band and all that. But I found them on this app called Vampr, V-A-M-P-R. Hmm. Musician networking. One of my guys I worked with told me about it, and I asked them how much they usually get paid, or how many sets per gig they do. And they said usually three sets per gig, and everybody takes a hundred dollars or so home a piece. <laughs> that's so much fucking work, dude. Right, three sets, a hundred bucks. And <laughs> it's easier for me to learn that shit than most people, because like for my teaching job, I don't have to prepare for lessons at all because I have perfect pitch. So I can learn shit just like that. I've never heard it before. Yeah, I hate you for that still. Yeah, <laughs> you're not the only person who does. <laughs> you're like, what was that string? I'm like, I have no idea. Oh, it's a D. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, my best friend, he, he curses me and says he's going to go to some foreign country and bring back a voodoo priest who's going to curse me and take it away. Well, well. He's a very humorous guy. Use, use your advantage while you still have it. Like, he's still here, you know? <laughs> but even though it comes easy, I mean, the, mem- the hard part for me is the memorization and working on all the arrangements. And then, you know, because I don't have programmed like a, any presets on my pedal or anything. I'm, I'm strictly a stomp box guy. Hmm. So, I write down my pedal settings and all that and memorize the whole thing. But uh, it's but even even though it comes as easily to me as it does, it's still a shitload of work. And it's it's not I mean, after your like I got to tell you guys, but you know after your gas and your equipment upkeep and everything else, you're not making money being paid a hundred bucks for all that. Right. There's no profit. No. Huh. Especially out here, if you got to let's say I got to get couple of months i'll forget when it was now but i got i got offered a gig at the whiskey to do one set for a hundred bucks but that's a saturday night i gotta drive down to the strip then pay for parking and that's if i get a spot that's close to the venue where i don't have to haul my gear two or three blocks <laughs> and then you know set up and then be there for however long before the show play my one set plus rehearsals with the band I'm like, dude it's gonna be like 300 if i even consider doing it so if you can't yeah hear it, don't bother with it. it's is parking bad in LA? I mean, I can't imagine. Is there 
is it like Chicago kind of like that bad? I remember being worse in Chicago. Oh, okay. Because uh, I did a gig with my, my my singer from Elkhart in 2007, I think. The one time I played in Chicago, it's called the U.S. Beer Company. <laughs> and you couldn't park. We parked in a parking lot across the street because we had all these stage props and everything that we were mm. in the trailer attached to his truck. And you there literally was no place to park. You had to just pull up to the venue, put the blinkers on, and and then haul the shit out of there and then find a place to park after. Uh, yeah. After that, that was over because him and I rode together and in our rhythm section, they rode together too and they took off early. We drove around for a good hour after that just trying to find something to do because we were out of town and figured we might as well enjoy it and we couldn't find any place to park there. Ugh. But here it's it's always a real bitch. Not always, but usually. Because if you park in a red zone, that can either get you towed or you get a ticket. Hmm. Because And there's plenty of places where you can park easily, but they paint it red just to screw everybody. There's lots of available parking that would exist if they didn't do that. I've said for years that if I catch anybody painting the, the curb red, I'm going to break their damn fingers. <laughs> because yeah. one parking ticket costs like $72. Yuck. I've gotten a couple of them, just literally a couple. But, um, it's, yeah, par- finding parking, depending on what part of town you're in, what time of day. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. Like the street that I live on, because it's a lot less populated than when I lived in Hollywood. I don't miss that shit all. Mm-hmm. I, go, I only go there for when I'm going there for a specific thing, like an event, or if I go to like the orthodontist office or something. Mm. But uh, there's uh, street parking on my street, and sometimes I'll park on the street versus in my garage, because we have what's called a tandem parking space. Mm-hmm. So one person has to back out for the other person to get their car out. Um, oh. A real pain in the ass sometimes. Or if like my roommate, he only he only works in the office two days a week. He's home the rest of the week. So like Wednesday and Thursday, if I if I don't have to park behind him, so he doesn't have to move my car in the morning, I'll try to find a spot outside. But then you got to be careful because they have something called street sweeping <laughs> on certain days of the week. So one side of the street on like a block over, if even that far, it'll say such as like ten to twelve noon on Friday street sweeping. But on my side of the street, it's Thursday at that same time. So mm. if, if your car is parked there when they and they don't they don't clean the street, dude. It's literally just something they use to fuck the citizens of this town. I thought for like all the dead homeless people, you know, they sweep them up. <laughs> Me, but they'll but they'll get a ticket for that if it's in that spot during that particular time. Mm. And then and then they add insult to injury. Because you go to pay it online for the convenience, and they charge you a couple bucks extra just. To oh pay. my god, that sounds like yeah. <laughs> so seventy two turns into seventy five. Like I got my first uh, moving violation ticket last year. The first time I've never had a speeding ticket. I've had like two parking tickets. I think maybe three. Ultimate, yeah. I've had Same. <laughs> but I was talking on my phone, and I didn't have a, a Bluetooth headset. And the cop could see me driving. I wasn't violating anything. I wasn't swerving or anything like that. But I had the phone up to my mouth. So the speaker phones are very loud. $167. They still ticket people for that? I didn't know that was a thing still. Yeah. Well, he must have been a bored-ass cop. The cop was cool. I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was in L.A. I was heading home from my church gig on the, 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 the 
Should have told him you're talking to Jesus. Leave me alone. Right. <laughs> I don't know if that works or not. He was cool. He didn't have an attitude or anything. Oh, okay. It was nice. Mm-hmm. I haven't been pulled over very many times out here, like maybe three times total. Oh man, you just make I was I was wanted to go to LA to check it out, but man, I'm now just kind of terrified. <laughs> just because well, like yeah. I gotta say that, you know, as far as because I mean, the reason I came to LA was when I when I as I was thinking about going to Atlanta to uh, oh, where's that place? I think it's AIM, Atlanta, Atlanta Institute of Music. I know Tosin Abasi went there. Okay. Because um, I was prepared. I think you couldn't do it online or send them anything. You had to go there in person to audition for them. Oh wow! The same type of school um, that I'm aware of. But then I read about all the opportunities in LA, and I'm like, okay, that's where I'm going. Mm. and there's I mean there is more opportunity here than a lot of places like New York and LA have been the two biggest destinations uh, for major musical activity for a really long time in this country yeah. I, isn't there like Texas too isn't there one down there I've seen like well, before I moved back here I visited Austin for two or three days mm. I went to Nashville for three days and I went to Austin for three days mm. and I didn't get I got a better idea that I think the scene is better in Austin because I don't know if it is now, but before all the, the beast thing, the uh, the scene was, uh, that was the best live music scene in the country because on 6th Street, they literally had 200 and some clubs for every style of music you think of existed. Holy shit. All live. <laughs> I saw people playing jazz, big band, all kinds of classic rock blues. I saw death metal bands. You name yes. it, it was there, dude. And, and most of the, the players were high-level players. Mm. Not all of them. Huh. And I asked a few guys when I was there, because I didn't have a car when I was there. And that was the thing. My phone died. I didn't have a portable charger. I walked back to my hotel room. My ass hurt for like three days. I walked so many miles. <laughs> I couldn't tell you how long it was, but it was a long day. Mm. Blisters on my feet the whole bit. And then I couldn't get back to Indiana easily, because it was in March of that year. And I took Greyhound. Don't ever do that. Uh, I couldn't get the the uh, okay to, to drive the buses because of the, the condition of the roads at that time of year. Mm. They screwed me so bad on that. It was my first and last time taking Greyhound. But but I also talked to a couple of guys who were setting up for doing gigs and stuff there, and they said it's in Nashville said the same thing. There's so many people in every one of those areas that there's. Even if you stand up for yourself and say, I'm not doing it for free or shit pay, there's a thousand other people who will. And they were, the guy was literally making like 75 bucks for setting up a whole karaoke thing and playing for however many hours. And that's, that'll be me when I'm older. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they made, I don't think they made set money in Nashville because on, I forget what street that was. My, my girlfriend at the time went with me there and we walked around town for like 12 hours one day. And all the bands playing, just they had a tip jar out front, but everybody's playing for tips. Shit. <laughs> and here, I, with one of the first band I joined when I came back here, I did six gigs with them, and we did that too. But the gigs only paid. This was playing all night in a working cover band. The gigs literally, except for one gig we did at a festival, which paid seven hundred bucks for one set. All the other gigs paid a maximum of three hundred bucks for the whole band. Hmm. That's yeah, <laughs> and that was nine years ago. Yeah, that's kind of 
shit. <laughs> and here we, uh, we're just happy when we get paid. Cause there's, yeah. been a, there's a lot of times where bands end up getting screwed over and don't get paid shit. Oh so. yeah. That's a common thing for a lot of people, man. I mean, I mean, it's, I'm sure every musician that we've like, like in that, uh, Anvil documentary of the scene where he threatens to beat the shit out of the guy. Cause he doesn't give him his money. Oh yeah. I remember that. He's like, where's my money? And no. he started giving him, he gave him soup and he was like more pissed off. I'm like, holy shit. That guy, the whole time he was happy up until that 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 whole gig he was he's yeah wow one of the one of the best revenge stories i ever heard about that my friend wayne he's from detroit he's been here since the late 70s he runs a little record shop a block from my cousin's place and uh totally cool dude (laughs) he's uh he's a good old boy but he was touring with whatever band he's a drummer this and i don't know how long ago this was but a long time but the uh, one of the band members worked at a restaurant and or something like that, but this club owner or promoter, whoever fucked him, didn't pay him. And the stage was raised off of the floor and it was hollow underneath. <laughs> and they went into the trash bins of this restaurant and got all the bags that had all the fish guts in them and stuffed and got. Somehow they got into this place after hours. They had a hookup from somebody, and they stuffed the underside of that stage full of trash bags, full of dead fish guts. Fucking gross. And <laughs> they had to close the place down, and they got all kinds of health code violations and everything. So they got it. They got him good, and I high fived him over that. Yeah, that that's before the invention of like cameras, like the right. little tiny ones. Yeah. But yeah, like can't do that now, but. I get why he did that. <laughs> I would have too. You know, one time at uh, at Rex's, this would have been like late 2008, mm. right, or somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, because I left to come out here in August of 2009. Uh, they double booked. Coda was booked instead of us, and I know we had a gig because I just happened to be there with my girlfriend having dinner one night, and I saw that we weren't booked for that Saturday. And then they didn't read, this was like July, and they didn't rebook us until December. Mm. But when we played that next show there, the bartender tried to act like it was our fault that we uh, went on late, but the sound guy didn't get there until well over an hour after we were already set up. And then he tried to give us something like 50 bucks less. We found out he was, he was pocketing the money and then acting like he was, and then he was taking extra money for the drinks or something and then trying to give the band less money and act like it was their fault. Of course, we didn't deal with that. We said, give us our full price. It's not our fault. We got here two hours early. <clears throat> oh, man. <laughs> I'm, everybody's got a story to tell like that, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part, yours has been a lot more interesting because of where the location is. And then, like, on top of that, like, even of all these crazy experiences you've had, like, you still do it. You you haven't like gave up on LA. You just you're still there doing what you do. You could up and move somewhere else, but like that's where the positive thing comes because you keep taking the punches and like a man and being like you're still waiting for that big gig that will finally pay off all the bullshit you had to deal with. You know? Yeah, I mean the possibility exists, right? And but I made peace with that never potentially happening a long time ago because it's so circumstantial. Right. And 
I've I've had a lot of in as many bullshit experiences as I have had. I've had a lot more good ones that I can remember. I mean, I've 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 had some people just like douchebag drummer who said I would wouldn't be taken seriously because of my amps. I mean, I wanted to fucking cap <laughs> that guy, but I mean, not kill him. But you know, that's a yeah, but that's a gearhead thing. Yeah, we take yeah. that personal. So yeah, I could see. Yeah, obviously. Well, that's just a douchebag thing to say to anybody. You know? Yeah, probably like, oh, your gear ain't good enough. I'm like. I can still a, I can play, Dick. What's the difference? If they show up with a gorilla amp and a lotus guitar, then then we're talking. We can right because that's not professional here. Right. But my shit's all high end, dude. Uh, right. And and I get compliments on my playing all the time, but a lot of it's who you know and this that and the other. You know, like right. like last month, I I met the drummer who played on the newest Bruce Dickinson album. Hmm. And then the last one, Tyranny of Souls. And I'm thinking, well, shit, you know, because Bruce is talking about there being a tour. And I hit him up on Facebook, and he read the message. He didn't reply to it. But I figured this is where shit can happen like that. So I'm like, hey, dude, this is probably a long shot. But he talked about there being a tour when the album was released, and I know you played on it. So is there any, is he having auditions? Does he have a band picked out already? What? Because I told him I'd just love to meet Bruce and hang out with him, much less play for him or right. with him. Or any, I don't, just to say I auditioned and got to meet and play with Bruce and said, okay, I'll do that. I'll take, mm. a, take a week off to do that. But, uh, you know, it's like it doesn't hurt to ask. So I don't know if I pissed him off or anything, but he did reply to my last message, which was just talking about how do I get into doing sessions and stuff. Mm. But uh, it's mm. also that it's, it's his home now. You know, it's, I've been here as long as I have. And I've done way better than a lot of people because I haven't had a regular job since 2000. And I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. And on top of like, on top of, you know, if the big gig doesn't come, you've not like all these experiences, the bad ones haven't ruined it enough for you to quit. You know, you're still, you're still doing it, which is like the best part. You know, the most positive thing is like, you never gave up as a musician. This is your thing. Passion pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of times like just recently, like I, I was betting to my girlfriend. I've only been with her not even three months, and she's just the most awesome, supportive person. Mm-hmm. And I'm just betting to her about how I don't want to do the jams anymore. I mean, I'll still do them because they're they are a good way to get me out and play live because I've been part of a regular band for a long time. Right. But uh, but I haven't gotten one referral or call or text or email or anything about like this gig would be perfect for you or anything from doing any of that as long as I've been mm. doing it. It's it's been getting old recently. Yeah, and the songs that they pick sometimes they're not great, but I've been able to play some of my favorite bands that I never played live. Like I did Halloween and Gamma Ray last year, <laughs> which you know you never see those unless you're some kind of tribute band, which is right. a big thing out here. But uh, that's had- power. That's power metal for all the audience, in case oh. they didn't know. <laughs> we're getting we're running into two hours wrapped up. Oh yeah, probably wrap this one up. It's been going on. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still geeked out as ever about playing, and I'm looking at the positive side of things. I, I do get sick of this place, man. The drivers and the bullshit out here gets worse all the time. Mm. So it's still a potential possibility because I could teach and earn a living somewhere else easily. I get anxiety at big cities. There's no way I'd be able to deal with all the traffic and people. Yeah, if, if, when I when I get pissed off about the traffic, I have to remind myself that you wanted to live here. <laughs> it's, 
it's not for the this place is is not for the thin skinned No. Sure. Uh, well, uh, Seth, again, I definitely appreciate you coming out and talking with us. It's very informative and eye opening about the things that go on out there compared to how things go on out here, at least for me. And I'm assuming anyone out there listening <laughs> probably has no idea what goes on out there either. Yeah, and that's just from the perspective of from as much as I've been involved in the scene, which hasn't been as much as a lot of the people I know. So I'm sure if you got uh, somebody else on here, they would have a lot more stories and a lot more perspective than even I have. Yeah. Um, I could I could mention it to a few friends and see if they want to be a guest on here. Yeah, that'd be great. Definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. I've, I've told a lot of people, you know, if you visit any one of these big cities, just because I've been in L.A. as long as I have, you're, if you talk to 10 people, you're going to get 10 different stories about their experience and whether it was good or not for them. Some people, they, they get auditions and they, they get a great gig right away. And some people, they, they bust their ass forever and they don't get anywhere. Yeah. Well, usually we try and wrap this up. We play a song at the very end from whoever we interview, like the one of their latest releases, but I'm not sure if you've got anything that you would uh, want. I don't have any of my own original music that's been properly recorded, so I don't have anything. Uh, that's fine. But uh, if are you allowed to play cover versions of anything or is that a copyright thing where you don't have permission i don't know how that whole copyright thing works we we're gonna try that on another episode but because the song was actually a remake cover type thing apparently youtube took that down on their end so i'm afraid if i put it on here it would also take it down as well <laughs> when it comes to copyrights it's i guess iffy you never know hmm. yeah i wouldn't blame it for not one to take the risk, especially what the parameters are. No. Sure. I am I am in the process of writing some stuff. It's just really slow going. Uh, first time I've done any original music in a long time, so I'm, I am enjoying that part of it. Yeah. Because like with the teaching thing, some days it gets old, and some days it's the best job on earth, but I'm, I've literally had a guitar in my hands six, seven days a week for the last however many years, and I haven't had any kind of other income for a really long time, so I, I can't complain about that side of it at all. It's been hmm. overall a really rewarding job because I'm appreciated, and that's one thing that made me not want to deal with the gig scene for the longest time, is that there's plenty of times as a performer and a working musician, you're not appreciated, and you feel like a, a dick for even trying to do anything, because <laughs> so many people fuck you over and take advantage of you. Yep. Well, so, again... Um, I do appreciate. I know it appreciates it. Yeah, thanks for coming on like last minute. Like that's cool of you. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. a yeah lifesaver. Hell yeah! Did I just happen to chime in and say, "Hey, what's the deal with?" This? Yeah, just happy accidents. I call them yep. lately. <laughs> so awesome, dudes. Well, uh, yeah, I'll put the word out and see if any friends of mine want to out here or just anybody that I know. Period wants to come on and be a guest. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. And anyone out there listening, if you'd like to be a future guest on Dark Side of the Scene, you can send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we will get you scheduled on a future episode. So we're going to close this one out. So thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Good night. Yeah.